chapter 15. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise His name. As I, as I said, please, if you're praying, continue there. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to begin in verse 12. Hallelujah. It was, uh, as I mentioned, the first service, I uh, had an opportunity to go down to a conference this past week, and uh, it was uh, in that particular conference, our general superintendent, Brother Dave Bernard, for the last several years has opened that up, uh, preaching, and uh, it was confirming for myself, and uh, just was thankful for the word that he preached as he preached about how there will be a church in Corinth. There will be a church in Corinth. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights uh, over this past couple of months, uh, I've been working my way through. We've been teaching on the book of Corinthians. And we opened it all up with just getting gaining an understanding of how worldly that city was, that particular city. He went through all of that, and yet God sent Paul there to establish a church in the middle of a godless society, in the middle of a place that uh, they had uh, seemingly uh, seemingly no morals, uh, lost every uh, ounce of morality, and yet God established a great church in Corinth. Um, he didn't get to where I'm pulling my text from today, but uh, but I'm I'm thankful for this particular book. And as I've been studying it myself, just diving in, there's so much uh, that you can glean from this this letter of Paul. And he writes to them here, beginning in verse 12. He writes to the Corinthians: If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, I won't dive into what all was going on, why they would question that. But he says, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. It's not just about the death of Jesus. If Jesus just would have died, he would have been like every other man. But he rose again. He rose again. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. He didn't stay up on the cross. He didn't stay in the tomb where they carried him. But he rose up from the dead. He said, if there be no resurrection and Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain. Then everything that we believe in, everything that we preach, your faith, all of that is vain. It doesn't matter a lick. But he is risen. He is alive and well today. Christ is risen. He raised. Yes. Yay. And we are found false witnesses of God because we testified of God that he raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. I'm thankful also 
that we have a day to look forward to when we will be raised up. That we will be resurrected, whether from the grave or from this earth. That one day that the souls of men shall be raised up and quickened and meet Him in the sky. I'm so thankful and I'm looking forward to that day when I can meet my Savior face to face. Hallelujah. Amen. He says if we don't have that, we have nothing. In this life only. If in this life only, verse 19, we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. But it's not in this life only. It's not the hurts and the pains and the aches and the heartache and the everything else that we face, all the bills that are due and everything that's going on in this life, the wars and the rumors of wars and everything that's taking place. If all of that was all that we had hope in, then we'd be of all men most miserable. But he said, we have a hope beyond this world. We have a hope beyond this life. And that is something to get our hopes up for. Now is Christ risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it's manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued under him, unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. I don't know what to title this. I guess it doesn't need a title. But I do want to preach to you just for just a few minutes here about what Christ did on the cross and what he did what he was here on earth when he came as the son of God. That Jesus Christ came as a man so that we might have the hope of resurrection. That he came as a man so that we might have life in him. He came as a man so that we might see how through man that we could be submitted to God Almighty and that he might correct everything that was brought under the curse of man by Adam. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. He says that death came, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. If you want to just have a seat here today, as I said, I'm not going to belabor this. I don't have anything written down, anything prepped at all. But 
feel God pointing us in this direction here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. It was by man, the first man, Adam, who was placed in the garden that sin entered into the world. You say, wait a minute, wasn't an Eve that bit that fruit that first time? Yes, it was Eve, but Adam, he came and he willingly bit from that fruit as well. He ate of that fruit that was forbidden there in the garden. He disobeyed the commandment that God had given him. He did the very thing that is, uh, I guess, the definition of sin, you could say, which is to be disobedient to the commands of God. That God had placed him in the garden, that when God formed everything, he just, all he had to do was just speak and light came into existence. All he had to do was speak and the world was formed. The skies were filled with the stars and, and the, the, the planets were all spinning around the sun and you have the moon that spins around the earth and the earth is placed here in a perfect position so that we can have life and that life began to spring up from the earth and he divided the water and the land and out of that land he began to form the trees and the and the, the grass and the, the fields and, and out of that then he created the animals and the creeping things and the things that are swimming in the oceans and but all of that God said it was good but on the sixth day God he took out of that mud out of the dust of the earth he took that and he began to form something that was Not just creation, but it was the creation in His image. It was in the image of God that He created Adam. It was in the image of God that He created man. And He breathed into man the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. And Adam was there and he was given dominion and power over all the earth. He was told to keep the garden, to keep that in order to be the one who would care for it. And in all of that, he was given authority to do whatever he wanted except to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know the story how Eve was deceived by the serpent that came into the garden and it began to speak to her and to question whether or not that was really what God had asked them to do. It began to question the Word of God. And Adam, knowing the Word of God, still, when presented the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he ate of the fruit he disobeyed God. What he did was he exalted himself above God. He placed himself in a position that he thought he knew better than God. And he put himself there in a place where he was saying, what God is asking me to do, I don't need to do it. But rather, I can choose my own destiny. I can choose to do this my way. I can choose to do this in a way that I think is better than what God thinks. And what that did was, is it set the course of human history down the path of sin. It sin separated mankind from God. It put a fissure between us and God. And through that, through generation to generation, we see that man was born into sin. We see how much uh, it degraded humanity when God wiped 
Nearly every humankind, nearly every bit of life off the earth when he sent the flood. He kept only Noah and his family surviving. But we see then the deprecation of man still continuing on. But God had a person. God chose Abraham to carry his name. God chose Abraham to be his seed. To be the one, his servants that would follow him. And through him we see that God had relationship continuing through uh, through the course of generation to generation. But through sacrifices and through the offerings that would be uh, given to God uh, as, as a penance for our sin, all of that was only good to a point. None of that could truly reconcile man back to God. Only one thing could do, could really do the trick, and it was a perfect man. A perfect man that would come. He was the only way that we could really come back in a relationship with God. Hence, the problem was all men had been born into sin. All of us, we have all been born with a sinful nature. But God came. He said, there will be one that is born Emmanuel, God with us. Just in this last holiday season, we were celebrated it. How Jesus came and he was born of a virgin, Mary. And that was God robed in flesh. As John said, that is the word of God. The word which is God became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the begotten of the father. He is the only begotten son. He is the one who would come see Jesus. Jesus is God Almighty. But He also was man, just like you and I. Jesus came, and He came in all humanity. He came in all of the same likeness and same passions and same desires, everything that we have. God came to feel everything that you feel. God came to experience everything that you experienced. God came as a man. Why was it so important that God come as a man? See, I so often when I ask that question, I say it's so that he could die on a cross. Because God cannot die. Because a spirit cannot die. And God is a spirit. And I point to the cross And I look at the cross and I say, look what he accomplished on the cross. And what a beautiful thing it is that he accomplished on the cross. And that he accomplished by resurrecting from the grave. What a beautiful thing it is. And it is the reason why he came. But it's not the only reason that he came as a man. Because as a man, in his life, he reversed everything that Adam had undone at the beginning. Adam at the beginning, in the garden, decided I don't need to listen to the voice of God. I don't need to submit myself any longer to God because uh, they say when I eat of this fruit that I'm going to know the difference between good and evil. They say that I'm going to know the difference between right and wrong and now I'm going to be just like God. 
just like you. Now, the one who is God, who came as a man, the one who could say that very thing that I am just like God, he chose rather to submit himself and to live a life of submission. He came as a lowly servant. He came. He's the one that's at the beginning of his ministry. He went out. And just as Adam was tempted, Jesus was tempted. Just as Adam faced the temptation there in the garden. And Eve faced the temptation in the garden of mankind. And they failed the test of submission. Jesus was tempted out in the wilderness. And Jesus, he came to that temptation and was tempted three times of the devil. He'd been fasting for 40 days and the devil starts right there. He says, turn this stone into bread. You say that you're the son of God. You you are the Christ. Turn this into bread and you can eat. He says, man shall not live. The word of God says, man shall not live by bread alone. By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He's submitting himself. He says, come and bow down yourself to me. And you can have all of this kingdom. You can have all of this. Well, he already knew that this doesn't belong to you. But yet these are the same things that are presented to Adam. What looks good. What sounds good to the ear. What seems to be power that he is going to obtain. He's presented with this and he's tempted. And instead, Jesus, he reverses what Adam did and he he submits himself. Submits himself to the Spirit. He comes and now he is there and he's told, you can cast yourself down and the angels are out charge over thee and you will not be harmed. And he submits himself once again and he comes to the Word of God that Jesus chooses submission rather than exaltation. That Jesus, just or just as Adam was tempted in the garden and Eve was tempted in the garden, Jesus is tempted and he passes the test through submission. That Jesus again, he comes to, to John the Baptist, beginning of his ministry, just following the temptation. And He comes and John the Baptist recognizing him as the Savior, as the one that God would send to take away the sins of the world. Jesus says, would you baptize me? John says, baptize you? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you asking to be baptized of me? Jesus said, this must needs be done. Why? Because... It is this example. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, of submission to the will of God. He in his flesh is submitting to the will of God. We here today need to find a place of repentance with every day of our life, every day a place of submission to God where we say, me and myself, I am nothing. But God, when I come to you, Lord, I, I see all of my filthiness. God, I see it all and I lay it out before you and I ask you, wash me clean. God, wash me clean today. God, wash me. Move on me, Jesus. Jesus. 
continues this pattern of submission throughout his ministry. We see 20, I believe it's uh, 25 different times that we see Jesus uh, perform miracles or do different tasks, do different things where, where he, uh, he heals somebody, touches somebody, and he, say, he commands them, don't go, don't tell anybody what happened. Don't tell anybody what happened. Why? Jesus was not there for him to be lifted up, for him to be raised up, but Jesus is here to serve. Jesus was there to wash the feet of his, uh, of, of his, um, transgressor, the one who would, uh, the one who would be a traitor and give him up. J- Judas was there when Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. It's submission that Jesus taught us. And through his Life as the Son of God. Through Him coming as the Son of God, man, and for God coming fully man, yet fully God. He reversed everything that Adam had undone at the beginning. And here today, let me tell you, and I, this, I, that's why I feel this so strongly here this morning, is that we come today with all of our hearts poured out, all of our troubles, all of our sins undone, feeling undone, feeling as if we need Hope. Let me tell you that he came to bring hope. He came with this message of hope that what Adam did at the beginning and he brought the curse of sin into the world by one man. Sin entered into the world, but by one man, sin is no longer the one who has the authority over you. But sin has taken its power, it's had its power taken from it, stripped from it because by one man, Jesus Christ He overcame the very sin that you're dealing with today. The very curse of sin. And it's not always the things that you deal with of your own struggles. But it's the curse of sin. The curse of brokenness in human society. That's the curse of sin. But God came. God came so that we might have life. And have life more abundant. Jesus came so that you might have life today. Jesus came as the perfect example of a submitted man unto the Spirit. He came as the one who would submit himself wholly and completely to the Spirit, to the God, to God who is in he- who reigns in heaven. And you, you today have the same opportunity to submit yourself right here at the beginning of this 2024 to say, I'm going to live my life submitted to the king of kings so you have a choice to do this your way or to do this God's way Adam had the choice in the garden and you have the choice today to do this your way or to do this God's way to live your life submitted unto him or to live your life with you in control We all have the choice today to live with yourself at the wheel driving that car. And if you were driving here at all in these last couple of days, weeks, you found that sometimes it gets a little out of control when you're at the wheel. The roads get slippery, the things, maybe you get a little too far to the edge of the road and it starts pulling you over and it feels as if you don't have control. Let me tell you that when you let him take the wheel, when you let him take the wheel, you're never going to have to worry. 
You're never going to have to fret. You're never going to have to beg and plead. But just know you're in his hands. That God has all things under control. That God does all things well. That he came. He came as a man so that you might have a life. He came as a man to live, to reverse everything that Adam had undone. He came as a man so that you might have an example of what it's like to live submitted to the Spirit. Jesus himself wrestled with this when he was in the garden of uh, of Gethsemane. Again, in a garden. Go back to the beginning. Where was Adam? He was in a garden. Go to Jesus right before the cross. He was in a garden. The garden of Gethsemane. And it says that he began to pray. He knelt down there and began to pray. And he began to pray this prayer. Lord, I don't God, not my will, but thy will be done. First ask God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have to go through all of this. But not my will. But your will be done. This is the voice of a man crying out to the Spirit. His flesh crying out to the Spirit. Saying, I have I have the, 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 all the fear. And I have all of the anxiety about what I'm about to go through. But instead of stopping. Instead of doing my will. I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you today. And because he submitted his flesh to the spirit once again on that night. When the, when the soldiers came and they arrested him. And they brought him to the cross. He stood there. As they beat him. And by his stripes. We are healed. The stripes that he bore on his back. Today you can have healing. Because he submitted his his flesh to his spirit on that night. Tonight or today when you're standing here. You're sitting here today. You have something that you have need of healing. It's by his stripes that you are healed. It's by his stripes that you are healed. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And he is right there. He is right there. And He is ready. He is ready to heal. It's because He submitted His flesh to the Spirit on that night in the garden that He went to the cross. And not only can we have healing in this present world, but we can have hope of salvation. That we can have hope of eternal life with Him. Because He submitted, submitted Himself to the death on the cross. So that He could become this, the, the, the sacrifice for all sin. So that He could give it all. So that we don't have to. Because what is the debt of sin? The debt of sin is death. That's... That is what we owe. But he paid the price. He paid the price so that you don't have to. And yet here today in this very room, I'm certain that there are some who are still in their minds feeling as if they are not worthy. 
feeling as if they have not paid enough of a price, feeling as if they have not done enough to gain God's favor and God's grace. But let me tell you, he already paid the price. Stop in your mind feeling as if you are not enough, feeling as if you have made too many mistakes and he doesn't want you. Just know that God loves you and he loved you enough that he already gave himself for you so that you today can have, can be broken from the bondage that is plaguing you and holding you back from feeling as if you are not loved by him he loves you he loves you he loves you if we could just stand all over this place if you could just know this he loves you jesus loves me jesus loves me he loved you enough to come to this world He loved you enough to put himself inside a man, to place himself here on this earth and to live amongst us. And we are thankful for the cross, but I'm also thankful that through his life, he showed me that through submission, through submission, that I can have, I can have power. I know it's an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense that by submitting yourself, You are lifted up. But that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he showed us. That the man on his knees. So much stronger than the man that's standing up. The man who submitted. Is so much stronger than the one who feels. As if he is able to carry all the weight himself. That the man who submitted here this morning. Is the one who is able to be an overcomer. That the man who is submitted is able, is able to make it through every test and trial. That the man who is submitted is the one who you are living the same, going this, the same journey, going the same path that Jesus showed us when he was here on this earth. And you're here in this two, beginning January of 2024. You can learn submission. Then you've learned the key to relationship. You've learned the key to unlocking a consistent walk with God. See, the devil can fake a whole lot of things. He can bring copycats to our music. Praise that you might lift up. There's a whole lot of copycats that the devil can make something appear as if it is good when it's not. Or he can copy something and turn it evil, something that was meant for good. But he can't copy submission. And that's why he fights so hard against it. There is no copycat for submission. He doesn't know what to do with a submitted person. He doesn't know what to do with a submitted will. The devil doesn't know what to do when you submit yourself to God. He doesn't know what to do when you submit yourself to Him. That's why He'll fight you so hard to not do it. He'll fight you so hard in your flesh to feel as if, no, I've got to stay in control. No, I've got to keep on doing this. No, I I can't give this up. I can't give that. No, if you submit yourself to Him today, then you are an overcomer. Greatest among these are the least. The last shall be first. 
The first shall be last. Hallelujah. If you just lift your hands all over this room right now. If you want to make your way one more time, I know we've already spent a lot of time at an altar and praying. I believe God was doing a work. God's done a work already. But I felt this word was needed. It was needed for somebody today to understand why am I not getting the breakthrough? What, what do I need to do? What is the principle? What do I need to implement in my life? If you could submit yourself to Him, if you could begin your day on your knees, if you could begin your your day with this this mind that is being Christ, let it also be in you. Put on the mind of Christ. Submit yourself to Him. Submit yourself to Him. Would you come just as Jesus was obedient in baptism and repentance? Would you come and would you repent your sins? He had nothing to be repented of. Jesus was perfect. Yet he submitted himself as an example. Jesus submitted himself to Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God Almighty.